And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the podcast you've all been waiting for, Legacy Story with Adam Solomini. Wow, what a gorgeous and lively group we have out here. Hey, my name is Adam Salmini, and this is my podcast, Legacy Story. Ultimately, this podcast is meant to rekindle your own legacy story memories and ignite a desire to create more. So the NCAA National Championship was a few days ago, and it featured Gonzaga, who was undefeated going into the championship game. Amazing. Hardly ever happens. And they had a chance to make history. Well, they were paired up with Baylor, who was pretty much the number two team virtually all year long. They had a few COVID pauses, which set them back a little bit, but they were pretty much number two all year long. And to be honest with you, I was expecting a close game. If you're into basketball, you probably know that before the NCAA tournament, get as much information as you can, or maybe even blindly pick your bracket. Well, I usually do about four brackets. Gonzaga was winning in one. I believe I had Michigan winning in another, San Diego State in another, and also Illinois, which didn't work out so well for me. So I thought Gonzaga was going to put on a show, come out with a win. I knew that Baylor was good. I thought it was going to be close. But, you know, you pick the brackets before the tournament even starts. As I was watching Baylor play each and every game, I really thought that they were going to take it over Gonzaga because they were playing really good basketball. Lo and behold, the championship game was not even close. Baylor won the championship and is bringing the trophy home to Texas. College basketball is one of my favorite sports. Especially during conference championship week and the NCAA tournament, I usually have a split screen with about four games on at the same time. And I've been doing that forever. I, of course, have my alma mater, which is San Diego State. Uh, But the Aztecs ran into a hot Bayheim shooting streak and a defense they don't see all year long, which is the monster known as the Syracuse Zone. So we didn't fare that well. My team since childhood is Michigan, and they were respectable considering they lost their leader, their leading scorer, their defensive juggernaut right before the tournament started. So they made it to the Elite Eight and ran into a very hot UCLA team, who in the Final Four, Gonzaga beat with a miraculous last-second heave to win the game in overtime. That will probably go down as one of the best games in NCAA tournament history. But the reason I like college basketball so much is the sport is still pure when you're watching it. It's not heavily influenced by the power conferences, and the little guy still has a shot. And because of that, and the passion that you see, this is where you can watch basketball at its purest form. College basketball's heart is pure too. V-Week, which happens every single year, brings in millions for cancer research, and is named after Jimmy Valvano, which is our legacy story for this week. Jimmy Valvano, also known as Jimmy V, was an American college basketball player. He was a college basketball coach, and he was also a broadcaster. He grew up on Long Island, and he was actually a three-sport athlete at Seaford High School. 
He, of course, had mentioned in the past that football coach Vince Lombardi was his role model. Jimmy V played point guard at Rutgers University and graduated with a degree in English in 1967. Right after graduation, Jimmy V began his coaching career at Rutgers as the freshman coach and assistant for the varsity team. He began as a head basketball coach at John Hopkins in Baltimore. After that, he became an assistant at UConn for a few years, and then head coach once again at Bucknell, Iona, and finally North Carolina State. At North Carolina State, Valvano's teams were the ACC tournament champions in 1983 and 1987. It was also regular season champions in 1985 and 1989. In 1983, against all odds, the Wolfpack won the NCAA championship. They also advanced to the Elite Eight in 1985 and 1986. Coach Fee was voted ACC Coach of the Year in 1989. Now, during that championship, nobody thought North Carolina State was going to make it all the way. Now, during that championship, one of the most iconic images of Jimmy V was him running around looking for somebody to hug moments after the Wolfpack victory, which came by way of a game-winning shot. It was Derek Wittenberg who heaved the last-second shot, and it was short and came off the rim, but was then caught by Lorenzo Charles and dunked in as time expired. I'm sure many of you have seen that video footage. Now in 1989 and 1990, there was a little bit of controversy where North Carolina State was accused of allowing athletes in who should not have been let in due to academics. In short, I believe there was about six different investigations and Valvano was cleared of all accusations. However, the school was still put on probation. Considering Jimmy V was not only the head coach of the basketball team, but also the athletic director, he felt it was best to step down. After his coaching career, Valvano became a broadcaster for ESPN and ABC Sports. Every once in a while, he was paired with analyst Dick Vitale. They were lovingly referred to as the Killer Vs because they both were very exuberant and very energetic in their broadcasting styles. In the middle of 1992, Valvano was diagnosed with a type of glandular cancer that can spread to the bones. Early that next year, he spoke at the very first ESPY Awards at Madison Square Garden. Here, he was accepting the inaugural Arthur Ashe Courage and Humanitarian Award. And for me personally, one of the most memorable speeches of all time. Jimmy Valvano's ESPY acceptance speech became legendary. He was animated, yet you can tell that his energy wasn't there. He could barely walk off the stage after the speech. And I'd like to play it for you because it does express his legacy. It also is extremely motivational. And it is also where he announced the Jimmy V Foundation, which has made a huge impact on cancer research. You can learn more about the V Foundation at v.org. And if you can, you can donate at v.org slash donate. Now, I don't care if you have heard this speech a hundred times, which I have. Listen to it again. Acknowledge and appreciate this perspective. Maybe you can even put this perspective into motion in your own life. If you've never heard it before, you are in for a treat. This is Jimmy Valvano's SB speech in 1993, as seen on ESPN. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. I can't tell you what an honor it is to even be mentioned the same breath with an author, Ash. Um, this is something I certainly will, will treasure forever. But as, as uh, was said on the tape, I, and I also, I don't have one of those things going with the cue cards, so I'm going to speak longer than anybody else has spoken tonight. That, that's the way it goes. Time, time is very precious to me. I don't know how much I have left, and I have some things that I would like to say. Hopefully, at the end, I'll have something that will be uh, important to, uh, to other people, too. But I can't help it. Now, when I'm fighting cancer, everybody knows that. Uh, and people ask me all the time about how you, you go through your life and how's your day. And nothing has changed for me, as Dick said. I'm a very emotional, passionate man. I can't help it. That's being the son of Rocco and Angelina Valvano. That just comes with the territory, right? We hug, we kiss, we love. And, and when people say to me, how do you get through uh, life or, or each day? It's the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And so I can't help. I rode on the plane up today with Mike Krzyzewski, my, my good friend and a wonderful coach, but people don't realize he's a 10 times better person than he is a coach, and we know he's a great coach. He's meant a lot to me in these last five or six months of my battle. But when I look at Mike, I think we competed against each other as players. I coached against him for 15 years, and I always have to think about what's important in life is to think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. Those are the three things that I try and do every day. And, you know, when I think about getting up and giving a speech, I can't help it. I have to remember the first speech I ever gave. I was coaching at Rutgers University. That was my first job. All I, oh, that's a, wonderful. And I was the freshman coach. That's when freshmen played on freshman teams. And I was so fired up about my first job. I see Lou Holtz, Coach Holtz here. What was it like the first job you had, right? The very first time you stood in the locker room to give a pep talk. That's a special place, the locker room for a coach to give a talk. So my idol as a coach was Vince Lombardi. And I read this book called Commitment to Excellence by Vince Lombardi. And in the book, Lombardi talked about the first time he spoke before his Green Bay Packer team in a locker room. They were perennial losers. And I'm reading this, and Lombardi said he was thinking, should it be a long talk, a short talk? But he wanted to be emotional. He said, be brief. And this is what he did. He, he, normally, you get in a locker room, I don't know, 25 minutes, a half hour before the team takes the field. You do your little X and O's, and then you give the great Newt Rockney talk. We all do. Speech number 84. You pull them right out. You get, you get ready. Get your squad ready. Well, this is the first one I ever gave. And I read this thing, Lombardi. What he said was he didn't go in. He waited. His team was wondering, where is he? Where is this great coach? He's not there. Ten minutes. He's still not there. Three minutes before to take the field, Lombardi comes in, bangs the door open. And I think you all remember what great presence he had. Right, great presence. And he walked in, and he just walked back and forth like this, just walk, staring at the players. And he said, all eyes on me. And I'm reading this in this book, and I'm getting a picture of this Lombardi before the, his first game. And he said, gentlemen, we will be successful this year. If you can focus on three things and three things only, your family, 
your religion. And the Green Bay Packers. And he like that. And the rest of it, they knocked the walls down. The rest was history. I said, that's beautiful. I'm gonna do that. Your family, your religion, and Rutgers basketball. That's it. I had it. I'm listen, I'm 21 years old. The kids I'm coaching are 19. All right? And I'm, and I'm gonna be the greatest coach in the world, the next Lombardi. And I'm ready, and I'm practicing out in a right beside the locker room, and the manager's telling me, you gotta go in, not yet, not yet. Family, religion, Rutgers basketball. All eyes on me. I got it, I got it. And now finally he said, three minutes. I said, fine. True story. I go to knock the doors open, just like Lombardi. Boom! It didn't open. <laughs> I almost broke my arm. I was like, you know, it was one that didn't open. Now I'm down, the players are looking. You know, coach, get, you know, help the coach up, help him up. You know? And now I did like Lombardi. I walked back and forth, right? And I was going like that with my arm, get the feeling back in it. And finally I said, gentlemen, all eyes on me. These kids wanted to play. They're 19. Let's go. I said, gentlemen, we'll be successful this year if you can focus on three things and three things only. They said, yeah. said, your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers, I told them. <laughs> I did that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember. I remember where I came from. It's so important to know where you are. And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. And you have to be willing to work for it. I talked about my family. My family is so important. People think I have courage. The courage of my family is my wife, Pam, my three daughters here, Nicole, Jamie, Leanne, my mom, who is right here too. And, and, and that screen is flashing up there 30 seconds. Like I care about that screen right now, huh? I got, I, got, I got tumors all over my body. I'm worried about some guy in the back going 30 seconds, huh? You got a lot. Hey, phenomenal, buddy. Yeah, you got a lot. <laughs> all right, good thing. Are you kidding me? Right, nuts. I got, I just got one last thing. I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moments you have to spend each day with some laughter and some thought, to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great can be accomplished without enthusiasm, to keep your dreams alive in spite of problems, whatever you have, to be able to work hard for your dreams to, become, to come true, become a reality. Now I, I look at where I, I am now and I know what I want to do. What I would like to be able to do is to spend whatever time I have left and to give and maybe some hope to others. All right, Arthur Ashe Foundation is a wonderful thing. And, and AIDS, the, the, the amount of money pouring in for AIDS is not enough, but it is significant. But if I told you it's 10 times the amount that goes in for cancer research, I also tell you that 500,000 people will die this year of cancer. And I also tell you that one in every four will be afflicted with this disease. And yet, for somehow, we seem to have put it in a little bit of the background. I want to bring it back on the front table. We need your help. I need your help. We need money for research. It may not save my life. It may save my children's lives. It may save someone you love. And it's very important. And ESPN has been so kind to support me in this endeavor and allow me to announce tonight that with ESPN's support, which means what? 
their, 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 their money and their dollars and they're helping me. We are starting the Jim, Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research. And its, and its motto is, don't give up, don't ever give up. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Every minute that I have left, I will thank God for the day and the moment I have. And if you see me, smile and maybe give me a hug, because that's important to me too. But try, if you can, to support, whether it's AIDS or the Cancer Foundation, so that, that someone else might survive might prosper and might actually be cured of this dreaded disease. I can't thank ESPN enough for allowing this to happen, and I'm going to work as hard as I can, you know, for cancer research, and hopefully we'll be, maybe we'll have some cures and some breakthroughs, and I'd like to think, I'm going to fight my brains out to be back here again next year for the Arthur Ashe recipient. I want to give it next year. I know I've got to go, I've, I've got to go, and I've got one last thing. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind, it cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. I thank you, and God bless you all. Was that an amazing speech, or what? I mean, you could actually the three things that he said would create a glorious day to laugh to think and to be moved by emotion you may have experienced that just by listening to the speech but that speech he had experienced a great life and still even at the very end he was willing to give willing to create something and his legacy is the v foundation since it has been founded, they have given over $260 million to cancer research, over $22 million for lung cancer, $29 million for breast cancer research, $54.5 million for leukemia and lymphoma research, and $54.5 million for pediatric cancer research. Wow. If that is not a legacy, I don't know what is. And it continues to grow each and every year. You'll see coaches wearing tennis shoes and suits while coaching their games during V-Week. ESPN talks about it for an entire week, asking for donations. They play his speech every single year because it is that inspiring. Unfortunately, Jimmy V died on April 28, 1993, less than two months after this famous speech. Just 10 years earlier, he was looking for someone to hug on the court after winning the national championship. I hope this legacy story inspires you. I hope it creates some motivation from within. Maybe it will even move you to donate. Maybe it will move you to create a legacy story as glorious as Jimmy Valvano's. Well, that's all for today's episode of Legacy Story. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I really do appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Feel free to email me if you have any questions, comments, if you have a suggestion of a person that has an interesting legacy story. Maybe that person is you, a family member, a friend. 
somebody you look up to. You can email me at LegacyStoryPodcast at InFinancer.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media at Your Legacy Story, except for on Twitter, which is The Legacy Story. And you can follow me at InFinancer. If you're interested in making a huge impact on your future and your legacy with regards to personal finance, you can book a free discovery session with me where you can find out the benefits of financial coaching and how I can create a plan and path that will lead you to financial freedom. You can do that at infinancer.com. I-N-F-I-N-A-N-C-E-R.com. Until next time. Ciao.